On Sunday, I found myself unexpectedly in the emergency room, and I was very pleased that a couple of men in the church jumped up and gave a teaching on the text of last Sunday, but unfortunately their teaching wasn't recorded, so I'm recording this to a very small audience today in order to have this uh, online and not have a gap in our series on the Gospel of John. We are in the Gospel of John and chapter 1 still, and we're in verses 35 to 51, and uh, It says this, The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come, and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying. And they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Let's pray. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. As far as I know, I've been in the state of Arkansas twice. Uh, and both times I was traveling across the country trying to get from the Midwest to Texas uh, in order the first time to move back into Mexico after being on a home assignment and the second time uh, with my daughter moving her to her new home in Texas. And I stopped in the same place both times. It's right off of the main highway and it's called Hope, Arkansas. And uh, I stopped there to break up the monotony of the trip, but I was also intrigued because, as you may recall, Hope, Arkansas, was the birthplace and the boyhood home of uh, President Clinton. And he was president the first time I stopped there. And as we're going through the second time, uh, Natalia was looking for something to do in the state of Arkansas so she could check that off as a place where she had visited. And so I said, well, let's stop in Hope. The first time they had a makeshift uh, visitor center because he had been recently elected. The second time they had remodeled his house and tried to put it back to the uh, the situation in which he grew up. And it was a visitor center, and I think it's a, a national park as well. But the striking thing about Hope, Arkansas 
is that it's the birthplace of a president. And it doesn't seem like what we would have is a preconceived notion about the place a president should come from, because it's a small town, and there's nothing particularly striking about it. It's a plain town, a small town, and it's striking that one of the presidents of the United States would have come from such a small town in Arkansas. Uh, the uh, people in, in Jesus' time, the Jews in Jesus' time, had some preconceived notions about what the Messiah would be like as well. And they knew from the scriptures that he would be born in Bethlehem and he would come from the city of David. And so there was some confusion when John, whom we call John the Baptist, began preaching and he was pointing to this Jesus who was known as Jesus of Nazareth. And uh, he also, instead of calling him things like the, the coming king, the conqueror, the son of David, he called him the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. And so John's ministry was curious uh, because it didn't seem to be preaching the kind of Messiah that the Jews were expecting. We find here that his ministry was effective because he began to have disciples and he really lived up to what he said. And that is to say, he, he said that he wasn't the one that should be focused on. He was pointing to someone else, and the people should follow that someone else. And so if we look at verse 35, it said, the next day. Now, by the way, this is day three. We saw in verse 29, the next day. So that was after the first day. Uh, so day two is verse 29, the next day. Verse 35, the next day. So that's day three. And then uh, in verse 43, we will see it says, the next day. So that is day four. So we're in two days here. We're in day three and in day four. So on day three, we find that two of John's disciples heard him. And it says that uh, they were standing with him and Jesus passed by. And John repeated once again what he had already said about Jesus. And what he had said was, behold the Lamb of God. Now, last week we looked at that that expression, and it looks like something that was was novel for John. We don't find this expression anywhere else except in John's preaching, but it depends on uh, the lambs of the Old Testament. And I refer you to what we looked at last week. There was the Passover lamb, there was the morning lamb, the evening lamb, and there was also the the sacrifice for sin. And we focused on the fact uh, that this has a notion of taking away sin because last week he, he said the full expression, not only behold the lamb, but he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So from the outset of John's preaching, he was pointing to the fact that Jesus was to die because the lambs, to do what they did in the Old Testament, all of them had to die. And uh, the disciples heard this and they followed Jesus in verse 37. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. And this is remarkable. This was John doing his job. He was, he was getting them to follow after Jesus, not to follow after him. Now, we saw already in the Gospel of John that John has a tendency to use words that can have a double meaning. And this is one of the words that can have a double meaning. It says, they followed Jesus. And what that means here immediately is that they, they walked after him. Jesus was walking along. John says, behold the Lamb of God, and they walk after Jesus. So they followed him. But we'll find that in the Gospel of John, follow has a deeper meaning as well. Follow with your life. Follow as a disciple. Follow as an adherent. And we'll see how John develops the, 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 the meaning of this word. Uh, now, they, um, they were following him, and Jesus turned around in verse 38 and asked a question 
That is a, a normal question that you would ask if you're walking along and two strange men are following you. And if you want to address them, you would probably ask them, what do you want? And that's what Jesus asked. He, he said to them in verse 38, what are you seeking? And their response indicates perhaps a little bit of embarrassment. They didn't quite know what to say. And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher. And by the way, we will see three times in uh, in this section that the author of this gospel translates Aramaic words for the sake of his Greek-speaking audience. So here they use the word rabbi, great one, which came to mean teacher, which means teacher. And they asked, well, where are you staying? Um, and here, once again, we have a word that we've already encountered. Where are you remaining? We saw that last week, that the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus and remained on him. And later on in the Gospel of John, uh, Jesus will talk about uh, remaining in him and his words remaining in us. And so here John, once again, is introducing a word that has a, a simple meaning. Where are you staying? Where are you, where are you residing? But, but it will take on a deeper meaning in the, meaning, meaning in the Gospel of John. And he gave them an invitation. And he said, come and you will see. Come and you will see. Once again, this verb to see. Uh, Simple meaning here. uh, Follow after me. Come with me and you'll see where I'm staying. You'll see where my bed is. You'll see where I'm spending the night. But we will see in the Gospel of John that there is this development of the idea of seeing. True seeing. Spiritual seeing. Seeing the truth. And so he says, come and you will see. So they came and they saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day for it was about the 10th hour. The 10th hour was uh, probably about four o'clock. And so it's likely that they spent the night there because four o'clock, it would be difficult to, uh, to spend a decent amount of time and then go back home as well. So it looks like they spent the night with him. Now, after that, we don't have the conversation there. We don't know what they talked about. But what we find out is one of these, we don't know the name of the other, but one of these was named uh, Andrew. And then we found out after spending that time with Jesus what Andrew did. And it says that he first found his own brother Simon. And this first is a little ambiguous. We don't know if that means it's the first thing he did or the first person he found, but whatever it was that, that he immediately went out and he followed, uh, he found his own brother Simon and he said to him, we have found the Messiah. Now that's quite a remarkable declaration after just spending that, those, those several hours with Jesus. Uh, he, he announced that they had found the Messiah, which, which the author translates here as the Christ, that is to say, the anointed one. And this is the expected one from the Old Testament, God's anointed one. And he said, we found him. And so he's already convinced. And then Andrew brought Simon to Jesus. Brought Simon to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and he announced to Simon who he was and who he would be. He announced to him, you are Simon, the son of John. That's who he was. But then he says, you shall be called Cephas, uh, Aramaic word, which means Peter, Greek word or Greek name, Petros, and that's our word for rock. So he's saying you will be called something like Rocky or you will be called Rockman. So this is who you are now. This is what you will be called. That's day three. So we have Andrew, another disciple who's not named, and we have Simon Peter, uh, Andrew's brother. Then we have the fourth day. On the fourth day, uh, verse 43, the next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. It doesn't say why he decided to go to Galilee, 
uh, perhaps just to do what he does here, finding Philip. It said earlier that Andrew had found his brother Simon. And now that same word is used, that Jesus went and found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. So these seem to be people that would have known each other, perhaps worked together. And Philip then found, so we're finding a lot of finding here. Uh, it says that Andrew found Simon. He announced to Simon, we have found the Messiah. And then Jesus found Philip. And then Philip found uh, Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Now, his announcement about who, whom he had found was a bit more extensive than Andrew's. Andrew had said, we have found the Messiah. And here he says, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. He's really saying the same thing, but giving a little more biographical detail. To say we have found him of whom Moses uh, in the law and the prophets wrote is to say we have found the Messiah. Because the one who was expected to come was the one of whom Moses, in the first five books of the Bible, uh, the, the, the five books of Moses, which is called the law, which are called the law, uh, of whom Moses wrote and the prophets wrote. So the whole Old Testament uh, was expecting someone, and that someone was the Messiah. So they're really announcing the same thing. We have found the Messiah, we have found the one of whom the law and the prophets wrote. Then he gives a little biographical detail. He says, this is Jesus of Nazareth, and he is the son of Joseph. Now, Nathanael was skeptical. In verse six, uh, 46, Nathanael said to him, Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And here we have the Hope, Arkansas. Uh, here we have the small town, and uh, Nathanael was also apparently from the small town of Bethsaida, and uh, there was probably some small town rivalry going on here. And uh, so he, he sniffed a bit at Nazareth, and uh, this, this exalted ex- explanation of this one is the one that, that Moses and the prophets wrote about. And he says, please, Nazareth, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Now, Philip, Philip said to him, basically the same thing that Jesus uh, had said to the two who were following after him and asked where he was staying. If you go back and look at verse 39, uh, 38, they say, where are you staying? 39, he said to them, come and you will see. And then Philip really didn't have a good response to this, uh, this skepticism of Nathaniel. But all he did was to say, come and see. Come and see for yourself. Now, Jesus saw Nathaniel. Here again, we see that verb, right? That verb of seeing. Jesus saw Nathaniel coming toward him and said of him, and here he does the same thing he does with Peter. With Peter, he said, this is who you are. This is who you will be. And with Nathaniel, he, he tells who he is, but he focuses on his character. He says, Behold an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Now, this is a very clever uh, a play on the two names of the founding father of the people of God. And he's known as uh, Jacob, but then he's given another name called Israel. So the Israelites were named after Israel. And Israel, he was given that name after he had this encounter with God where he wrestled with God, and uh, Jacob became Israel. But his, his given name, which was Jacob, uh, is, uh, it has the meaning of to grasp. And figuratively, it means to deceive. 
And if we go back to Genesis chapter 27, here we have Jacob's brother Esau talking with their father Isaac. And Jacob had tricked his brother, had deceived his brother Esau, not once, but twice. And after the second deception, the second tricking of his brother, uh, he, he, he goes to his father and he's asking for a blessing, but his, his younger brother, Jacob, had stolen the blessing from him by trickery. And then Isaac, in verse 35 of Genesis 27, says, But he said, Your brother came deceitfully and has taken away your blessing. Esau said, Is he not rightly named Jacob, the grasper? For he has cheated me these two times. He took away my birthright, and behold, now he has taken away my blessing. So here we have the, 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 the meaning of that word Jacob. And so we go back to, to Jesus, and when he says to Nathanael, he says, uh, he says uh, Behold, in verse 47, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. He's playing on those two names. He's saying, here is an Israelite, a descendant of Israel in whom there is no Jacob. And so uh, he's, he's playing with these two meanings, but he's recognizing uh, Nathaniel's character. Now, Nathaniel, interestingly, in his response, shows that he was a sincere kind of guy. Because in verse 48, he simply says, and very simply says, and innocently, he says, how do you know me? Now, someone who were uh, being more, more uh, deceptive would probably uh, say something boastful and say something about, oh, oh, I don't deserve such praise. But Nathaniel simply took it as uh, a recognition of who he was and in, in his simplicity and his sincerity, he said, how do you know me? He was impressed with Jesus' knowledge of him. And Jesus answered him in uh, verse 48, before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, here's the verb again, I saw you. I saw you. Now, this doesn't seem to be very remarkable, does it? Because it would have been easy if, if Jesus had been nearby uh, to see him under the fig tree before Philip called him. So this doesn't seem to indicate anything particular. But Nathaniel understood something more than we do with the simple statement. He, he understood something about Jesus' superior knowledge, that Jesus had, had some sort of knowledge of him, some sort of sight of him that was beyond uh, normal humanity. And Nathaniel then burst out rather surprisingly and uh, apparently euphorically uh, by saying, Rabbi, great one, teacher, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. And his response seems to be a little bit um, exaggerated, and even Jesus seems to be a bit amused at this, this outburst of, uh, of recognition of Jesus. But he's really saying the same thing that Andrew said and that, um, that Philip said. Because Andrew had said, we have found the Messiah, the Anointed One. Philip had said, we have found the one of whom Moses and the prophets wrote. And then he says... Uh, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. So what he was using were titles from the Old Testament that referred to the Messiah, that referred to the, uh, the Anointed One, the one of whom Moses and the prophets wrote. So all three of them were really saying the same thing, that this was the one that was chosen by God to do God's mission. Now, Jesus, uh, as I say, it seems like he was a bit amused, 
because it didn't seem like it took too much to impress Nathaniel. And he asks him, he says, he says in verse 50, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, which seems like a relatively small thing. Do you believe? And here, this is the first, the first one who's called a believer uh, in the Gospel of John. We saw at the very beginning that John the Baptist, his ministry was so that we might believe in Jesus. And we will see that that's the whole point of this whole gospel. And the first one that is announced to be a believer is Nathaniel, and apparently on a, a relatively small demonstration of, of Jesus' personality, his ability, and his power, and his knowledge. But he says to, to Nathaniel, well, uh, because you saw, because uh, I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? That's, that's, that's impressive, that's remarkable, but you will see greater things than these. And then in verse 51 he says, And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Now, this, this goes back to our friend Jacob, whom we've already mentioned. Because Jacob, when he was fleeing from his brother Esau, uh, because Esau was out to kill him, and their, their mother, Rebekah, said, you need to leave, and so Jacob was fleeing, and he stops for a place, and he sleeps there with a rock under his head for a, for a not very comfortable pillow, and he has a dream. And in that dream, he, he sees heaven open, and he sees the angels of God ascending and descending uh, on a ladder, on a ladder. And that's in Genesis chapter 28, verses 10 to 17. And here, continuing with the Jacob image, he says, you will see heaven opened, that is, you will see revelation from God, and the angels of God ascending and descending, the same sort of vision that Jacob would see. But now there's a substitution here, there's a modification here in this vision. Because in place of the latter is the Son of of man. And this son of man, we've seen many titles in John already, but son of man was Jesus' favorite title to refer to himself. And it was something of a cryptic title, uh, not a title that had, had a lot of content applied to it, and so he was able to fill out the content of that of that um, that title. So what he was doing was saying, you will have the kind of experience that Jacob had, but there will be a difference. You will see instead of the latter, you will see the son of man. And what does that mean? It means two things, because heaven being opened means that there is revelation coming down. So the Son of Man will be the source of that revelation, and we saw this from the beginning, that this is the Word of God, this is, a, this is the communication of God, this is the light that God has sent into the world, this is God's revelation, it is the Son of Man, it is Jesus. So if we, if we want to know God, we must know God through Jesus, He is His revelation. But in addition to that, uh, the latter... Uh, we think of a ladder to do what? We think of a ladder as the instrument by which we get up, by which we are able to ascend. And here, in place of the ladder, is the Son of Man. And so, if you want to ascend to God, then you need to go through this Son of Man. So, God reveals Himself to us through the Son of Man. We are able to get to God, as it were, through this Son of Man. So, that's day three, and that's day four. Uh, after John's initial uh, beginning of his ministry. Now, I want you to notice that everyone, except for John the Baptist, in this section, began the section as people 
who did not believe in Jesus. And one of them was openly skeptical about this this Jesus of Nazareth. However, all of them ended the section as believers in Jesus, expressing accurate faith in Jesus, saying things like, this is the Messiah, this is the one of whom Moses and the prophets wrote, Uh, this is the Son of God, this is the King of Israel. All of them were confessing an accurate faith in Jesus. They had become believers in some sense. As we advance in the story, we will find that their faith was very uh, very immature, and it needed to be formed, it needed to grow, but it was accurate. They had, quick, they had quickly and accurately identified who Jesus was. And they were, even with the little bit of information they had, they were convinced that he was worthy of following. And here we have this deeper meaning of following. They had become not just ones who follow after him to see where he was staying, but they were beginning to follow him with their lives, being disciples of his. And um, if you're not yet convinced, if you find yourself in this category, uh, the category in which these all were at the beginning of this section, that is, not convinced yet, not sure who Jesus is, then there's a very simple invitation that's extended twice, once by Jesus and then uh, once by Philip. And that is, come and see. That's why we're going through the Gospel of John. So that as we go through the Gospel of John, we will see Jesus. We will come and see Jesus so that we might see who he is. So that whether or not we're convinced now, we might become convinced that he is the one who is the revelation of God. And he is the one who, uh, through whom we can relate to God. And if you're already among the convinced, I want you to notice something. I want you to notice that almost everyone in this section came because, came to Jesus, went to Jesus because a friend or a family member invited him. Almost everyone. The only exception was Philip. In verse 43, it says that Jesus found Philip. But in every other case, someone else pointed them to Jesus. The first two disciples, Andrew and the unnamed disciple, John the Baptist was the one who led them to Jesus. Simon Peter, he was led to Jesus by his brother, Andrew. Jesus found Philip directly, and then Philip went and found Nathanael, and he took him to Jesus. And uh, another thing, um, if we were to think about, think about Andrew and Simon Peter, from what we know in the rest of the Bible and in the rest of church history, and I would ask you, which of these was the most impressive of the two? Which of these made the biggest mark on history? Which of these is the one that is, uh, is recognized if somebody asks uh, the person on the street, can you name an apostle? Which of, one, which of those would most likely be, be mentioned? And of course the answer is Peter. But when we look at the Gospel of John, Andrew shows up three times. And, uh, and when he shows up those three times, he's doing only one thing. He is taking people to Jesus. Uh, he took his brother to Jesus. He took uh, a child with a little bit of lunch to Jesus, and Jesus did a miracle out of that. And then in chapter 12, when there were uh, some Greeks who wanted to see Jesus, he took them to Jesus. And so Andrew, even if he wasn't the most impressive of the apostles, he may not have been the most well-equipped, the most talented, the most eloquent of the apostles, but he did one thing in the Gospel of John, and he took 
people to Jesus. And so even if you don't consider yourself the most imminent among the followers of Christ, the most gifted among the followers of Christ, you can do the same thing that Andrew did. You can take people to Jesus. And if you get stumped like, uh, like Philip did, you can simply say, as he did, come and see. And Philip is an interesting case too. Because Philip, when we find him in the Gospel of John, we find him doing two things. And the two things were these. One, being confused about Jesus' words. We find that he, he misunderstood Jesus' words. And we also find him taking people to Jesus. And that should be a comfort to us. Because he was often confused, at least from the little bit we know of the, the times he shows up. He was confused about what Jesus was getting at. And, and he, he wasn't getting the point but he knew enough to take people to Jesus and say, come and see. And even when we look at his, his testimony here, his witness here, in verse 45, we find that it's not entirely accurate. He says here, um, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. So let's think about what he says here. The first thing he says is not particularly accurate. It says, we have found him. But if you go back to verse 43, who found whom? Philip did not find Jesus. Jesus had found Philip. So he starts off with something that's not particularly accurate. Then he says, accurately, the one of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote. And then he said, Jesus of Nazareth. That was, we can excuse him for that. That was how Jesus was known because he grew up in Nazareth, but he wasn't really from Nazareth originally. He was from Bethlehem, but we'll excuse him that. And then the last thing he said was the son of Joseph. And we can excuse him that as well, but that wasn't exactly accurate, although legally speaking, he was the son of Joseph, but we know from the other Gospels that he was the son of God and the son of Mary. So so the point here is simply that Philip didn't have all the most accurate information. But even so, he was an effective witness for Jesus because he knew enough to point people to Jesus and to say, come and see for yourself. And so, if you find yourself among the not yet convinced, the invitation to you is, come and see. And if you find yourself among the convinced, then this invitation is in your hands to take it to other people. You may not know uh, as much as you will know in the future. You may not know uh, enough to answer all the questions, but you don't have to. You know enough, if you know Jesus, to take people to him and to tell them, come and see for yourself. Let's pray. Our God, we thank you for these, these uh, first disciples. They were raw. They were fresh. They were ignorant. They were learning, they were in earnest, and they, they saw Jesus, and they believed in him. And we thank you that you used them uh, to take others to Jesus, and those others uh, took still others to Jesus, and those took others to Jesus as well, until this message has gotten down to us, and somebody, somebody came to us and talked to us about Jesus and maybe didn't have all the information that they should have had, but they were able to point us to Jesus and say, come and see. And we pray, O God, I pray for all of us that we would see Jesus, that we would come to believe in him as your Messiah, as our way to you, as your revelation to us. And I also pray that you would use us in the lives of others, family members and friends, that we would be able to say to them, 
We have found the Messiah, or rather, he has found us, and come and see for yourselves. And we pray this in his name. Amen.